Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM, 87.6, 87.8 or 88, right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. You're with the double L team, Lyle and... Lawson! Lawson, what are you thankful for this morning? Lyle, I am like... Bro, I was like stumbling through the door this morning. Just, I was stumbling out of bed, right. stumbling into you're, my car. You're thankful to stum- have not had enough sleep? No, to have eaten too much food and to oh. just feel too heavy. I've just, yesterday I just ate so much good food. Is this a recurring theme in your That's right. No, no, no. This is like, I'm, I'm being thankful for, for eating too much food. Like, usually I'm thankful for a particular food, but I can also mention a particular food. I ate one kind of food yesterday. It's called Okonomiyaki. I was going to say, it was Asian. It was Asian food. Yeah, well, we had um, we had a, uh, a a graduation celebration. I kind of mentioned it last uh, yesterday on the show. Uh, we had a graduation celebration for two people from our uni church, uh, Harry, uh, yeah, Harry and Maureen. Um, shout out those guys, and it was awesome. It was amazing. I got to go to the graduation as well. We've had Maureen here on the show once. Before. We we have yes. yes, and um, we were just for both of them. They both came to Australia, started studying at Newcastle University, and became. Christian at Newcastle Uni um, and found the truth and are now a part of our church. So praise, praise the Lord God. for them. But I ate Okonomiyaki yesterday, which is like basically it's the best savory pancake you'll ever eat. It's like flour and and like um, a bunch of other stuff, cabbage and everything. It's just the best thing ever. And I ate it and it was good and I'm happy. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. It is The Breakfast Show here on Faith FM. We are about to have our first question for our pentathlon quiz. Yeah, that's right. 100 points. Here we go. For 100 points, what kind of animal rushed into a lake and drowned after receiving demons cast out from humans? 0491-064-669 is the number to call. If you know the answer for 100 points, you can either get a Faith FM bookmark and bumper sticker, or you can get your points on the board, continue to work your way through the quiz. But again, that question was, what kind of animals rushed into a lake and drowned after receiving demons cast from Humans, it's a pretty intense situation, but hey, Jesus made it happen, so I guess, I guess that's what was supposed to go down. Uh, but right now, we're going to get into some positively different news. Oh, and Lyle, we're going to be talking about one of your favorite things this morning. Actually, two of, two of your favorite things. You ready? First one? Cats. No, 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 no. Well, actually, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> mushrooms and World War II history, your two favorite things. Okay. Yep. Okay, so starting with mushrooms. Yes. Uh, There's nothing. A- you can't do mushrooms in positively different news unless they're going extinct. No, they're doing cool stuff, Lyle. Trust me. Yeah. Okay, so. Well, I've, I've got friends who've, who've like, yeah, my mushrooms do cool stuff. Yeah. And now they no longer have a brain left. <laughs> Stuff. <laughs> mushrooms are awesome. Uh, they're tasty and good and great. And you know what else? Some mushrooms. You know what else? Oh, yeah. yeah. Or they're, some they're, people. Okay, I will admit okay. that some people, like, yeah, you know. Anyways. Um, <laughs> but these specific mushrooms that they have been observing, um, these mushrooms have the ability to talk to each other. Right. So they've observed signals, you know, all plant and all okay, so living is, matter. This, so this is interesting. This is interesting uh-huh. because that places mushrooms then in, outside of No, stop. Plants. Lyle, stop. They are not Lyle, a plant. Stop. No. They're Lyle, not a plant. Stop. You can't, you can't be plant-based and eat mushrooms. They're not a plant. Yes. Yes, they are. 
They're closely related to animals. <laughs> well, no, because all, like, all plant, all living matter, how they've been able to determine this is because they determine with all living matter that electrical pulses go through them and communicate different things to the body and, and whatnot. But they've seen that these mus- mushrooms have electrical pulses that act in a similar way to how our brain, you know, uses electrical pulses to communicate. And so it'll send off electrical pulses and have the ability to speak to the ground, to other mushrooms that are beside it, that kind of thing. What's it saying? I, I don't know. I guess it's like grow, get get big, um, be tasty. Um, yeah. See, this is not plant matter. This is not plant matter. Nah, no, stop. I, I'm, I, I'm, obvi- I'm, I promote plant-based diet. Obviously, right here, they so don't, don't know us. exactly what they're saying because this is, this is not coming out of their mouth. But they, they reckon that they've, they've observed like around 50 different types of pulses of, you know, these these mushrooms, you know, communicating in some kind of way. I wonder what they say when I walk through the paddock and kick them over. Oh, I hope they plan an uprising to beat you up. <laughs> 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 and, and they're probably not saying a lot when I chuck them in the pan and eat them. No, that's actually that's actually super fascinating. That is really really interesting. Mm-hmm. So it, basically, yeah, what they're seeing is in in this way, like of how because they see specific patterns with the pulses. You know, I, I feel like most plant matter that they observe, essentially, their perspective is like, oh, they're just kind of giving off random pulses to the body as you know as they grow and whatever. Whereas these are like in specific patterns, and they're like, oh man, this looks like lingual in nature. So there's some kind of thing going on with the mushrooms. They are planning an uprising against us. So that's why we have to eat them to stop. That's, that's, that's like clear. Only good mushrooms though. If they're, if they're the hallucinogenic kind, just throw them in the bin, just, just throw them away. Um, they're probably the bad mushrooms. The, the actual mushrooms are probably communicating to each other, like ways that they can grow to be more tasty so that we can eat them, because... Yeah, whatever. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> Changing the subject. Okay, Lyle, well, World enough. War II history. Yes. Japanese internment camps. Yes. Good news. Okay. Yeah, good news about Japanese internment camps. All right. Well, I, I think, like, this is a really interesting part of World War II history. Like, you know, you're a Japanese person living in the States. You know, you've been there for maybe one, two, three, four generations. And then World War II breaks out after Japan bombs And you Pearl get treated Harbor. like basically a prisoner of war. That's right. And you end up in one of these camps. You're trying camps. to do a concentration camp. It's a concentration camp is what it is. Let's put it That's it right. right name. That's right. Uh, and this specific one that I'm going to be talking about this morning is the Amache Japanese American Relocation Center. Oh, yes. Which was based in Colorado. Yes. Now, this has been a super interesting story that's taken place of how this has actually been preserved by by students, this camp, and has now become like a national park um, and protected area for fantastic reason. This, this is the reason why, because you hear something like that, it's like, oh, they're, they're protecting this thing? Wasn't this thing kind of bad? Uh, but essentially, uh, one of the professors at uh, at the, the local university in, in Colorado, uh, his name is John Hopper, and he's been teaching um, history, here, modern history there for like you know, over 30 years. Um, and one of his classes of students in the early 90s, uh, they were, you know, they had a class project and it started out communicating with one of the survivors of these particular camps um that this guy john hopper he knew um he he, you know he had a family friend that was a survivor from these camps and so the class interviewed him and they were so moved by by the stories and uh, by what was going on Uh, and, and this was a person that had been through this particular 
camp, um, the, in the Amache Relocation Center, um, that this like small class project, um, grew into basically a preservation society, uh, that works to like, these are just volunteer students who go out and who basically keep this relocation center, um, to tell the stories of the Japanese survivors who, who went through these camps and, you know, survived and, um, yeah, to basically spread knowledge and awareness of, of this history. You know, what I find fascinating about this piece of history is mm-hmm. that the descendants of those, uh, Japanese people that were in those concentration camps during the second world war in the United States have gone mm-hmm. on to become the highest level, uh, six, the, the most successful people in the United States across mm. every metric as far as education, as far as mm. income, uh, as far as success in life. Asian Americans are just light years ahead of every other sector of society, mm. which just goes to show that, you know, you can come from a very, very persecuted past mm-hmm. and if you have a free society, you can, through hard work and diligence, because we all, you know, uh, Asian hard work and diligence is kind of legendary. Yeah. Um, you, you're going to place, you know, 8% above every other person, every other, you know, demographic within the United States, mm-hmm. which is, I find it, I find it fascinating. I mean, this is very recent history that, you know, these guys were thrown into concentration camps for years. Yeah. But I think it's great that they are preserving the history because by preserving the history of what happened, it demonstrates what can be accomplished when you put your past behind you and focus on the future rather than focusing on the past. Yeah, totally. And I think the, the amazing thing about this is like they're, they're highlighting, you know, what was, what was actually taking place. You yes. know, they're sweeping it under yes. the rug. Um, John, yes. John Hopper said, uh, in an interview with actually the Christian Science Monitor, um, he said, this is an especially heavy topic, um, coming from the perspective of civil liberties and what happened to these people. Um, but it's, America has a lot of skeletons in its closet that's when right. it comes to uh, liberties that it should have stood for. But he's like this professor, he's like, it's our job to talk about this, to overcome this, to find reconciliation. And now this has turned in, as I said, to a full like preservation society um, that not only like preserves the site itself, but um, runs class presentations at the uni, um, operates a museum, uh, you know, and maintaining this site, this large collection of of government uh, issue barracks in the United States in this place. So, yeah, I think it's just a fantastic thing that's going on here and i i believe that it's it's ultimately viewing history from the right perspective because we have so much going on uh at the moment of people wanting to kind of delete history um delete the past but no they're saying this is what takes place this is what took place um they take it for for what it is which you know i think a lot of this was 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 awful and and terrible what happened to these people um but it's it's acknowledging their persecuted past and as you said it's interesting that out of the ashes of persecution asian americans um have just succeeded so much um but it's yeah it's it's asian americans themselves and particularly like descendants of people who are in this camp who are promoting that this yeah it should be preserved it should stay open and people People should have this perspective of, oh, this is what we went through and, and these, praise and the these Lord people, Many it. of these people who were in these internment camps, what you've got to remember mm. is that their sons were fighting in World War II That's right. for the Americans. That's right. And they've been thrown into a concentration yeah. camp because they're Japanese, mm. because of their race. And and that unit of like Japanese-American soldiers who... One of the most in, awarded units in right. the United States forces. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like it's like the highest ratio of Medal of Honours to... To you know, combatants—it's powerful stuff. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different.
this morning. Before we get into some very serious news this morning, Lawson is going to bring us another question for our question of the day. Okay, for 200 points, what issue does the last of the Ten Commandments address? 0491-064-669 is the number to call if you know the answer. 200 points, you can win our 200-point prize, which is um, an issue of size, Science Magazine, or you can get those points on the board, continue to work your way through the quiz. But again, for 200 points, what issue does the last of the Ten Commandments address? 0491-064-669. Okay, so this morning I'm going to be telling a story that I've been avoiding for a number of days simply because of the horror involved in it, but it's a story Mm. that needs to be told. Mm -hmm. And it is about abortion, and if this is something that is going to be triggering for you, you definitely need to be tuning out right now because this is probably... No, this is definitely the most horrific story I've ever shared on Faith FM. Wow. And so if you want to take a break for 10 minutes, uh, if this one's going to be too heavy, then... This is my warning. Mm. But this this story involves uh, five bodies that were discovered and photographed in a rubbish bin outside of a DC clinic of aborted babies. And those photos have now been researched by uh, three of uh, some of the most uh, experienced forensic doctors in the United States. They've got a combined uh, experience of about 70 years between them. Mm. And they have come to the conclusion that three of them show evidence of partial birth or post-birth abortion. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is this is basically uh, babies that have gone full term and have been aborted in the process of being born. And the way they're able to determine this is what happens, and this is the part that if you just want to turn the volume down for a couple of minutes, then do so. But the way that this actually happens is what the doctor does is he turns the baby around in the womb so he delivers the baby feet first mm-hmm. and then he delivers everything except for the head. And then they cut a hole in the back of the head, they suction the brain out and deliver the baby that way. Mm-hmm. Now, that's got to be the most barbaric thing that I can even begin to imagine, particularly mm-hmm. for a full-term baby, which is going to feel all of that pain and going to experience what is, is, is happening to it. Mm-hmm. And three of these babies uh, that were photographed in this bin uh, have, um, you know, clamp marks around their ankles and, you know, the hole in the back of the head. And, you know, this is, this is illegal in Washington, D.C., where this was done. But what they're pointing out, that, pointing out is that this is legislation that has never been enforced. Mm. And so while it's illegal, it's, you know, People do it because it's never been enforced. Mm. And this shows just the barbarism, the absolute barbarism that happens and that we are insulated from in this whole debate and protected from because somehow, you know, we 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 don't talk about it as infanticide. We don't even talk about it as killing babies or anything like that. We, we, we sanitize it by using the word termination. Mm. Or medical practice. Or medical, yeah, we've got so many mm. different words by which we sanitize brutal murder. Wow. Now, you can make a lot of different arguments, and I understand that there are people who have arguments as, you know, when life begins and all that kind of stuff. And I take the position that life begins at, 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 at conception. Mm. And there are going to be a whole bunch of other people that are going to disagree with me on that, whatever. Once you've gone full term, in fact, once you're into the second trimester or the third trimester, you have a baby. Life has begun. If you can't make a decision before then, mm-hmm. you know, if you, if you come all the way down through to full term and it's like, okay, um, oh, suddenly I've changed my mind about whether I want to have a baby or not, 
I'm sorry, that's too late. Mm. That is way too late. There, there can be no argument in favour of this. Mm. This is just a horrific practice that needs to be put to an end. And, you know, it's, 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 it's a terrible story, but it's something that we need to hear these stories because we need to understand the horror of what is actually going on. And, you know, these are, these are kind of practices that people during medieval periods would look at, at, at in horror. People in ancient times would look at this in horror. This is worse than child sacrifice. This is... I don't even know where to begin by mm. by condemning this kind of practice and to think that it takes place in the most developed country in the world, the country that stands up and calls itself as the land of the free, mm. is just one of those great horrors of, of, of modern society and it shows the absolute hypocrisy and it shows the nature of sin and what sin drives people to do. Mm and how horrific sin is and the fact that we need Jesus to come back soon and put an end to this because it just it's the most heartbreaking thing that you can even stop to think about. Of course, if this story is something that is really troubling for you, uh, 131114 is the number to call. Uh, that's a lifeline number. Mm. and uh, Or you can call us here on 0491064669. We can put you in, in touch with people to talk about. We understand that everybody has a past. Mm. We all have a past. We all have things that we that we re- regret in our past, but there is healing for everyone in Jesus Christ. Mm. Uh, continuing on from that story, the Oklahoma governor, uh, Kevin Sipp, has just signed into law a ban on abortion. Wow. Just, just completely, banned just banned it. Only in the case of, only allowing abortion in the case of a mother whose life is at risk. Save the life of the mother, they will allow an abortion. But apart from that, a plain, straight-out ban. This is the strongest piece of legislation ever passed in the United States, making Oklahoma the most pro-life state in America. Mm-hmm. Uh, which Kevin Sitt was, you know, very specific about. Uh, publicly stating when he signed into law that this was making Oklahoma the most pro-life state wow. in existence and uh, giving a penalty of $100,000 and 10 years for anyone who performs an abortion. You know, when you talk about these late-term or partial birth abortions or mm. post-birth abortions, there should be a life sentence for that. You know, no questions asked. I, I, there, there, there shouldn't be any argument. The term to- post-term abortion... That's infanticide. That is just murder. Yes, cold-blooded murder, nothing less. Wild. Ugh. Interestingly, nice. in the state of Oklahoma, a mother who seeks or receives an illegal abortion is not prosecuted. Good. That's a, that's. A, I, I think because you know, if you're in that state and you're going to go to that length, you're obviously in a very desperate situation. And I hope that you would get the help and the treatment, mm. the medical treatment that you need for. Um, you know, whatever it is that you're going through. This passed the House of Representatives by a vote of 70 to 14. Wow. Yeah, that's a big margin. Went through the Senate 49 to 38, which is a bit closer, but definitely a strong majority. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, some heavy, heavy stories there. Um, Next story I want to cover, I want to move away from that and talk about Gateway Church in Texas. Uh, this is a positively different story. They've just helped 400 uh, Ukrainian refugees to relocate. And this one church has donated around about $1 million. That's a pretty significant amount. That's amazing. That's a lot of money for a church. And so they've uh, been able to do this because they already have established relationships with 
several churches in the Ukraine and they were mm. able to help out people that they already you know, had a connection with. Now, once again, when I cover these kind of stories, and to be honest, I could cover one of these stories every day since mm. the war in Ukraine has started. Mm-hmm. You know, there's another church in Kentucky. They had a bake sale, raised $145,000 just selling baked goods. Wow. You know, people bringing along baked goods and selling them. And that's a massive amount of money. Right across the United States, Australia, all kinds of places, people are raising money to help out Ukrainian refugees. There is this massive push to help out Ukrainian refugees. And the question that goes through my mind is, this is good. And let's keep doing it. Mm -hmm. Where were we when we had the same situation in Iraq? Mm -hmm. Afghanistan. I'm going to go with Iraq specifically because... You know, the justification for going into Iraq was thinner than the justification for going into Ukraine. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. And where were we just because people had a different colour of skin, because they had a different religion from us, uh, we didn't relate to them, we didn't connect with them in the same way, mm. and, well, they just weren't of as much value. What about Syria? Mm. You know, a war that we should never have been involved in ever anyway. That was the dumbest war for us to get in. It was like, what did it have, have to do with us? Mm. Now, I understand that a refugee is somebody who, you know, who, who goes to the nearest possible place where they can receive assistance, but where were we in assisting them in their refugee camps? Where were we in assisting them once they got, reached the point where it was time to relocate from their refugee camps? Because, you know, you obviously can't stay there forever. Mm-hmm. You know, refugees are people who need support, and why is it that we find it so much easier to support somebody just because they're the same religion as we are? Wow. Or a similar you know, religion. Because similar religion, similar culture, similar skin. Yeah, They're more similar than others. Mm-hmm. This should be about people, and we need to remember this when we look at the conflicts that take place in our world. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. And we are about to get into our interview of the day. We have Dr. John Anderson joining us. But before we go there, we have another question for our quiz. All right, for 300 points, what gruesome things did Ezekiel see filling a valley? 0491 is the number to call if you know the answer. 300 points, you can win yourself a pocket sermon or get those points on the board. Continue to work your way through the quiz. But again, the question was, what gruesome things did Ezekiel see filling a valley? 0491 all right, we're well, joining us on the phone this morning is Dr. John Anderson from Creation Ministries International. Uh, Dr. Anderson, welcome to the show. Yes, thank you very much. It's great to be uh, back again. Now, we, we we wanted to talk this morning, and you mentioned talking about some of the uh, origins of some of the conventional scientific beliefs in relationship to our recent floods. What are some of the things that we can uh, learn from our recent floods? I mean, is there are there things that we can learn from these floods? Yes, I, I believe there are, and uh, uh, that's what I thought I would talk about this morning because uh, we've had them here in Australia, and uh, you uh, possibly know that over the last couple of days they've had them on the east coast of South Africa as well. So, yeah, there have been a lot of uh, very, very serious floods, and uh, I thought I'd try and relate them to some of the uh, things of uh, biblical history, really, And uh, one of the expressions that we hear pretty commonly these days is uh, the expression, trust the science. And it's a pretty good expression because uh, a lot of our science is very trustworthy. 
You know, the uh, the laws of chemistry and physics and mathematics, uh, they've been known for several centuries. In the case of mathematics, actually, uh, they've been known for thousands of years. And they're so trustworthy that we can send up satellites, we can put men up in space, uh, we can communicate with each other across the whole globe, travel in cars and aircraft, and uh, all those aspects of science and uh, mathematics are so reliable, they are a, a huge blessing to humanity. And uh, I have to say, you won't find anything in the Bible that conflicts with any of those uh, laws of physics or chemistry or mathematics. But about 200 years ago, there was another type of science born, and I want to talk about how reliable or unreliable that type of science is, what we might call historical science. And uh, as we all know, uh, a lot of our Earth's history is spoken about in our Bible, uh, right from uh, its creation in the beginning. And in our Western world, where a lot of uh, our science uh, knowledge began, <clears throat> that biblical history was uh, accepted as correct, uh, especially re related to the age of the Earth. But there was a guy who was uh, one of the founders of uh, modern geological science, a Scotsman by the name of uh, James Hutton, and he disagreed with that, and he made an observation on the rocks at a place in Scotland called Sikar Point. And Sikar Point is uh, is revered in uh, uh, geological uh, the geological world as uh, the place of uh, foundation, I suppose you'd call it, of modern geology. Anyway, uh, Hutton had a look at the rocks there, and he thought they looked very old. And he formulated a, a principle that was really the uh, founding of geology, and it was called uniformitarianism. And he said that uh, you can only explain the history of the world if you have a look at things that are happening today. Well, uh, a few years later, there was a, uh, a wealthy lawyer called Charles Lyell. He agreed with Hutton, and uh, he was convinced that the, uh, the Bible's account of the age of the earth was wrong. And he said so. He wrote a, a couple of uh, geology books, and these guys really were the uh, earliest geological writers. And in the case of Lyell, He's, uh, he's very, very important because when Charles Darwin went on his uh, voyages uh, around the world, uh, he took Lyle's books with him, and they gave him the idea of uh, the millions of years that were needed for his theory of evolution because, obviously, if you don't have millions and millions of years, then you can't have uh, evolution. And uh, when uh, following on from Darwin... All of the, uh, the sedimentary rock layers that we find all over the world, and as we know, you know, they're here in Australia, uh, all over the world they have a very similar appearance. Those sedimentary rock layers were interpreted in the light of uh, that history uh, that uh, Lyell and Hutton put out, and of course uh, in the light of evolution. And all the uh, the layers that we see, uh, the, they had been recognised, but they were now given a name and they were given a date, a, uh, a time period. And all the fossils that were in them were said to uh, tell the story of progressive evolution over time. 
And uh, this story appeared in uh, diagrammatic form in all the science and biology textbooks in the 20th century. And everyone doing biological or science courses at university has been taught it as fact, this so-called geological column. Uh, But the question is, is it true? Because supposedly, according to uh, scientific belief, floods over millions of years have formed the layers and the life forms present, uh, prevalent at the time were buried in their sediments. But I think there's a bit of a problem with that explanation because, as we said before, there's been very extensive flooding on the uh, east coast of Australia and in South Africa as well. And uh, tragically, of course, uh, people have died and a lot of animals have died. And uh, one of our CMI scientists, uh, who's a world authority in that field, he's examined the aftermath of uh, similar large floods right throughout the world. And despite the fact that some of these floods are enormous, what we find is that they leave very, very little sediment deposited. And... uh, you know, uh, the people, a lot of people died in South Africa and some in Australia as well, and lots of animals, of course. But what we don't find is them turning into fossils. So the interesting thing is that uh, the events that we see happening at present, they don't really explain the uh, geological formations all over the Earth. And yet, according to the uh, principle of uniformitarianism, the present is supposed to be the key, key to the past. So I can see that there's a uh, an inconsistency here. And when you take a, a closer look at all the uh, sedimentary rock layers all over the Earth, they look remarkably similar. And uh, I suppose every time I turn on my computer, and uh, I get, I've got Windows 10, which uh, most people have got, uh, you get all of these uh, landscape pictures uh, coming up, lovely, uh, lovely photos, and uh, they they all appear whenever they show sedimentary rocks. They all appear pretty similar all over the world, and uh, I think the observational evidence is pretty compelling that there must have been a global event, massive floods, to uh, cause the same appearance all over the world. If I can jump jump in for a second, how much of our world is covered by sedimentary rock? How much of our world is made up of sedimentary rock on the surface? About 75%. That's a massive massive amount. It it is. And, of course, uh, in most of the east coast of Australia, we're we're standing on it. If we uh, dug down below where we're standing, we'd find all of these rock layers going down uh, maybe a kilometre or more. They're, They're huge. And, uh, of course, what we see happening today simply can't explain that. And uh, some of those layers can be traced even across continents. So uh, they look like they're the same layer traveling for hundreds of kilometers. So uh, the conventional scientific explanation, the uh, so-called geological column that you see in the textbooks, I don't believe that can really explain those layers. But the Bible can. This is the whole point. And uh, the Bible tells us that there was a global flood, a catastrophic event of uh, unimaginable proportions that wiped out most of the living creatures on Earth and, uh, and buried them. 
Now, uh, when you look at uh, modern science, modern science denies that that ever happened. But modern science's description of those uh, layers isn't consistent with what we see happening today. So uh, I think the, uh, that suggests that the entire foundations of geological science that you read in the textbooks would have to be uh, questionable, as well as the, uh, the evolutionary story that's, uh, that's based on them. Mm. And uh, when, when I go back to uh, my own uh, training in, uh, in medicine, uh, I can remember as an unbeliever uh, reading in my textbooks stories about how the uh, uh, the horse had evolved and there was this great story about the uh, peppered moth in Great Britain and uh, then we had all of the, uh, the diagrams of embryos that uh, all looked uh, very, very similar at the uh, same stage of development and these were all put in the uh, biology uh, textbooks as evidence as for evolution. But we've since discovered that all of them have been shown to be either nonsense or fraud or uh, based on fabricated evidence. But I read them, I was convinced by them, and uh, all scientists uh, in these days have read them and uh, because they're still in a lot of the textbooks. So it's no wonder that uh, so many scientists and biologists and uh, medical personnel are unbelievers because their textbooks contradict the uh, biblical account, but their textbooks are full of inaccuracies and fraud. So, so and, uh, Dr. John Anderson, if I jump in one, 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 once more real quick, you know, when we look at those textbooks, and I grew up with them as a kid as well, where you see, you know, these images of a human baby as it's developing... And we find out that these were actually totally a fraud. Um, yeah. How was it that that was able to continue for so many decades? I mean, surely there's a lot of doctors out there that sort of, you know, actually saw unborn children and knew that the textbooks were a fraud. How long was it? How, how was it able to be continued for so long? Well, look. I think the uh, the explanation is what the uh, the Bible tells us: the uh, the heart of man being uh, deceptively wicked, because that's really what people wanted to believe. You see, if they have an explanation of origins like evolution uh, that doesn't include God, then they can get rid of their uh, uh, their. A requirement really to be subservient to him. If there's no God, then uh, you can do what you like. And, uh, and so I think it's the deceptive heart of man that really wanted to believe that there was no God. And therefore he seized on any uh, evidence like that uh, to, uh, to get God out of the picture. So, uh, yeah, uh, it was really only, uh, I suppose those embryo diagrams stayed in the uh, textbooks for 100 years, and it's been at least 50 years or more since they've been shown to be uh, fraudulent. They're, they're, they're certainly not uh, a true depiction of what actually happens. But the interesting thing is that uh, they're still taught you still find uh, questions on uh, HSC papers for uh, high school children uh, talking about those embryos. 
And uh, I had a uh, personal experience a couple of years ago. I uh, I was doing some talks in uh, Western New South Wales, and uh, uh, there was a uh, a museum uh, up there in Western New South Wales that's uh, quite commonly visited by school children. And uh, there was a classroom there, and there on the wall were these embryos depicted as evidence for evolution, despite the uh, despite the fact that they've been known to be fraudulent for well over fifty years. So it's still taught, and that's a uh, a real tragedy that school children are still taught untruth in their classroom because these things uh, explain evolution so very well. Yeah, because and, we, want, uh, we want them to be true. That's exactly right. And uh, the uh, the good news for Christians, of course, is that we can be very confident that the history in the Bible is true, and there's actually no conflict with uh, biblical history and genuine observational science. There may be a conflict between uh, the historical explanations that science comes up with, but the actual uh, true science itself there is no conflict. That is absolutely so, fantastic news. Dr. John Anderson, we're, we're out of time here. I, I, I would just love to be able to chat all morning because your information is always so interesting. But before we finish off, I'm just wondering, how do we interact with uh, Creation Ministries? Obviously, uh, you work with Creation Ministries International, CMI, and uh, collaborate with them. How do we interact with uh, CMI and magazine and so forth? Well, I think the uh, the website is the first place for people to go to, and uh, it's a very, very simple website to remember, creation.com. Can't get much, uh, much simpler than that. And uh, on that website, uh, any questions that people have related to uh, evolution or uh, biblical history or anything like that, there's uh, over 13,000 articles on that website, freely available to everybody, all you need to do is uh, Google creation.com and there's a search window there. You can use the search window, type in whatever question you like, and uh, it will come up with a whole range of articles on that particular topic. You can read them online, you can print them out, you can do whatever you like with them, and it is all absolutely free. So uh, I think uh, that's where people should start. And if they want to uh, subscribe to Creation Magazine, a wonderful magazine, goes to well over 100 different countries. It's a beautiful magazine. It's been going for uh, 40 years now or more. And uh, really, it's probably turned more people to the Lord uh, who've come across it by accident than anything else. Same for the website. Fantastic. Thank you, Dr. John Anderson. We really appreciate you joining us here on The Breakfast Show this morning. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.